Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, my name is Neil Barron. I'm the founder and CEO of Lightlock. We're a UK-based manufacturer of innovative, lightweight, kind of highly advanced secure locks for bicycles and motorcycles. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Hello, my name's John Markar. Oh, I didn't realise I meant to go straight into it. Oh, Hello. sorry. I'm Amy Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to the Driven Chat Podcast. Once again, another Monday, another week has gone past and once again you're joined by our voices. Aren't, aren't you lucky? Oh, so lucky. Dear listener, aren't you lucky? Um, nice podcast this week, because this week we're talking to an inventor. Now, we have not yet, to this point, had an inventor on our podcast. I like this chat, and I would like to get more inventors. But although I have to say, before we met him, you know, we didn't see a photograph of, any, of him or anything mm-hmm, beforehand. Mm-hmm. I was hoping, a little part of me was thinking, I really hope he's got, like, massive wacky hair and he looks a little bit scatty and you know he's he's got a bit of you know he's a bit of food left in his beard or something like that yeah. you know, as you imagine a, an inventor to be yeah but he was actually a very well-dressed very intelligent very cool guy <laughs> and he was and is a very cool guy yeah we are talking to neil Barron, and the name might not be one that immediately springs to mind when i say inventors however if i tell you guinness fender guitars Lego, Kimberly Clark, Sainsbury's, The Body Shop, GlaxoSmithKline, Thermos, Unilever, Microsoft, MSN, lots and lots and lots of major, major companies. And we'll go into some of those companies in this chat as well to bring you up to speed with what Neil invents. But he joins us today to talk about his latest invention, which is actually quite an amazing thing. 
and it is a well it's called a light lock and as you might have guessed it's a lock which is well light they they say it is it is light it is lighter for sure i Mm. wouldn't go to the extent i did pick up the lock did you pick up the lock i did did, I was ex- in my head. I was expecting it to be lighter, but it is definitely lighter than chain or something like that. It is a lot lighter than the chain. Yeah, that is that is for sure. I think I was expecting to be able to like hula hoop it around me. That's that's what comes next. <laughs> the light lock hula, hula hoop, hoop edition <laughs> for you to swivel around. Uh, Neil, I'm sure you're listening. That's your challenge. Um, but yes, but before we dive into the chat with Neil, we just wanted to say another quick. Thank you, and that is to all the people that are or that have got in contact with us since our last listeners' letters episode, which of course was great fun. We did that the show before last, so last week you heard the Baffle House one year birthday podcast. The show before that was the listeners' letters podcast, which also featured the brilliant auto artist for Ukraine. Just to give you an update on that, those guys are now the last time we checked, they were just just under £25,000 have been raised. I'm going to go as far as saying that now, another week on, it's a lot more. So do keep an eye on the Auto Artists for Ukraine social feed so that you can see what they're raising. Uh, And a huge thank you to everyone that listened to that and then as a result of which went on and had a look at the social media profile and helped spread the word because it has done amazing things. Uh, Thank you also to people like Irvin Jaff. I hope you've said your surname correctly, (laughs) Irvin, who have used our contact feature on our website. Irvin's got in contact to um, explain his appreciation for the conversation we had about the three-wheeler and is asking if we have ever done any podcasting about the three-wheel Vanderhall, which was built in Utah. Well, the answer to that, Irvin, is no. We have not. We have not. We're certainly open to it. Mm. It doesn't mean a trip to Utah. Well, it could do. I'm well up for it. Unless anyone in the UK has got a three-wheel Vanderhall. I don't even know. I can't I even picture one. I don't even know what Vanderhall is either. No. Like a Morgan, but not. I guess so. Yeah. I guess so. Um, Irvin also asks if, if you two might, he thinks you might be related. I would like to know why he may think this. Because I'm intrigued. Like, I only have thought that my family were Nottingham and Birmingham through and through. Mm. So, Irvin, if you have more information of how we may be related, <laughs> brother, dear brother of mine, then <laughs> let us know, because I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued too. Yeah, get the old family tree out. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's have a look. Um, but yes, so you, like Irvin, can, can contact us, and we read them. We read your messages. So yeah, feel free to get in contact with us, either via email podcast at drivenchat.com, via the website and the contact feature there, or of course, the good old-fashioned direct messages slip into our dms on your preferred social feed because we love hearing from you we genuinely do Mm -hmm. we do we do we do thank you also to everyone that has taken the time to subscribe to give us a five-star rating and even more so to those that send us lovely written reviews as well if you feel so inclined uh, to repay us for a podcast that you might be enjoying then the best way you can do that is by giving us a lovely review so thank you very much for all of those who have done that and even more to those who are about to that's you. <laughs> Do it now. Open up. If you're listening on Apple Podcast, open it up now. Open it up now. There you are. There it Scroll down to the star bit. That's five. And a little review. Gosh, this podcast is brilliant. Everyone should listen. Submit. Done. <laughs> it's like when you used to have to do like eBay reviews, which I've just stopped doing now because I'm a horrible <gasps> person. I know. But oh, you know, you're when one you're of those. either a buyer or a seller, and it's like, 
A plus 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 plus, and it's like the many many pluses <laughs> afterwards. It was never like yeah, great guys or whatever. It had to be like a many A's, many mm. pluses, and that was how you knew if you were a really good eBay buyer or seller. Use up the character limit with plus si- yeah. plus signals. So if you could just give us an A plus 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 on uh, yeah anywhere that you listen to your podcast, then that would be great. That would be great. Yeah, thanks for doing that. <laughs> now let's dive in and talk to Neil Barron and unpick some of his amazing career. Let me assure you now, dear listener, this is not. The the last you have heard from Neil because following our recording I discovered that Neil's workshop where he invents his things and works on his things is a converted railway carriage that he has in his garden and I want to go and see it yes so we will do that at some point as well and uh, Neil has also kindly agreed to let us try and destroy one of his locks which I think will be brilliant (laughs) I think I'll be awful at it but it will make for a fantastic video on our YouTube channel youtube.com forward slash driven chat thanks very much right let's dive in thanks so much for listening we shall speak to you in a bit the driven chat podcast in association with paramex digital hello and welcome to this week's driven chat podcast my name is john marker sat beside me as ever is oh hello i'm amy shaw <laughs> i don't know if you're gonna say my name if i was to say my name i like it when you introduce yourself i think it's it's better you do a better job I had to remind me. myself what I was called then. I was, <laughs> yeah. I was like, who am I? I'm Amy. Why am I here? <laughs> and Hello. joining Amy and I, as you've just heard from the intro, is um, I'm going uh, to choose my words bravely here because we're, we were actually introduced, Neil, by a fantastic PR person who described you as a brilliant, wild, crazy inventor. <laughs> so I'm going to go with that. Because you are an inventor, an inventor of things. You are obviously you're here to talk to us about one particular project, but you've got so many amazing things to your name that you've invented. Yeah. So inventor, I like the term. Welcome to the podcast, Neil. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, I don't mind that as a description. I have to say, um, I've found that it's become a lot easier to describe yourself as an inventor or an entrepreneur or something like that. I think inventor captures the fact that I actually am all about making things and and actually solving problems and creating kind of new new things yeah Um, so yeah amazing amazing so I love talking to people like you Neil because interestingly on the drive here so we're recording this episode at Baffle House a slightly unusual location for us not not a common location for us to do recordings but we're here because we're doing some other recordings today but on the drive here Amy and I in the car we were having a really deep and meaningful conversation about funnily enough, psychology and psychotherapy, (laughs) as we often do. And as we were driving along, I was explaining about how my interest in psychology and psychotherapy is always the desire and want to understand how something works. So as a small child, I was always fascinated with taking apart household items to figure out how and why they work so they then go back together. And I had the same relationship with working out why people get stressed or angry or upset about things. And we were reading through your show notes and I saw a very similar written thing, which was ultimately your desire to understand how things work and, as most inventors do, make them better. Yeah, I, I think uh, I'm really pleased you've said that because um, actually there's, a, there's maybe a bit of a reduction in, in, in people's interest in how things work and mm. um, uh, certainly in engineering education. Um, it used to be that when you went and did an engineering degree, you were surrounded by people that were what I would describe as tinkerers. <laughs> so that they, you know, I grew up taking exactly the same as you, John, and taking things apart, trying to improve them, not always getting them back together again, which <laughs> yeah. is not always popular with your parents. <laughs> um, and, and I can remember just having this desire to create things. And it's exactly the same that I have now. It's yeah. actually when I was a kid, it's, it's the same. 
Um, and I think there's a satisfying thing. And I know people's creativity kind of expresses itself in lots of different ways. Um, but that is that is mine. And, and I think there's a lot of creativity in engineering as well. I obviously have a sort of bit of a hybrid background through engineering and design. So mm -hmm. I'm interested in everything. And it's quite unnerving for some people to to find that they like to pigeonhole you. So you're a technical person or you're a aesthetic person or mm -hmm. you're all about usability or brand or whatever it is. And I like to think that I'm all of those things. Yeah, exactly. And it, I guess creative, using the term as a creative, most people will think of, if you describe yourself as a creative, you might be an artist or a, a writer or a playwright or something. But inventing is the epitome of creation isn't it it's coming up with the idea and then engineering the idea into a product and then ever improving that product so yeah you're you're a creative you're yeah i think the other thing that's in, in embedded in that is um is the kind of failure you know failing because everything yeah. you make and do actually often fails and i've now picked a route in locks where failure is actually part of the creative process. Mm -hmm. So we make things, it might take months, years, loads of money, uh, and then we break them. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, and then we make them again, and then we break them again. And, 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 um, and, and, but actually, I do meet people that have gone through education and never failed at anything. Mm. Yeah, and, uh, it's a dangerous and, and, thing to never fail, isn't yeah, it? Mm. It is. So I think you can. You've, what is the expression? Um, fail early, fail fast. I, mm. I can't remember yeah. who the quote's from, but it's somebody very en eminent. And uh, I think it's quite good. It is good. It is good. There, there's a brilliant, um, very apt for current political climate, but a, a, a very brilliant advertising campaign by the army at the moment in the UK, which is something along those lines. It's it's if failure is part of the journey, that sort of thing. Where, yeah, yeah, and it yeah. is, you, you've got to kind of push yourself to the limits and find out where things go wrong so you can then improve. Yeah. Yeah. And as you say, Amy, there's, there is definitely a fear when somebody says, oh no, everything's perfect and it's never gone wrong. You're always like, Ooh, <laughs> either you're lying <laughs> or I don't want to be anywhere near you because you're clearly a disaster. Oh, yeah, precisely. Yeah. As you said, the, the minute that you've got to start failing is the point where you start getting better at the thing. Things. And so yeah. when you're, I found it you know, funny to, to talk about, you know, here today talking to you about your, your locks. The, the idea is that you're creating something that cannot be failed, I guess, is, is a way you could, you could write it. And the idea to, to make something over and over again and to, you know, make sure it can't, it can't fail. It's difficult to make something like that without failing a thousand times in the process of doing it. So when you start your process of design and inventing things... Do you think to yourself, well, this is going to fail a thousand times. I may as well start by the first failure and then see where we go from there. Or yeah, I think uh, that's that fail early thing, isn't it? Um, I think you. What, what I'm always trying to do is read difficult things. Mm -hmm. So, for example, much lighter weight locks, actually, that is really hard. Mm -hmm. And having done it now for many years, um, I, it's still quite hard. <laughs> and so there isn't a magic bullet. So what you have to do is you have to construct your approach to, 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 to the problem um, and then and keep that ambition in mind that that's what you want to do and be quite firm about that. Yeah. And, but then accept that when you fail in it, you have to understand the failure and then move forward and, and take a slightly different position. Mm -hmm. And I think that is what you do. And you, you could be doing that in... The good thing about things like 3D printers and, um, and rapid manufacture, which now moves into metals as well as plastics, yeah, of is that we can make things a lot faster than you would have years ago. And so we can get there a bit faster. But it all takes time to do you know, really good kind of innovation, I would call it. Yeah. Um, Excellent. Well, let's break down some of the journey because we're obviously going to build up to 
what you're working on right now, but I think before we get there, it's crucial that we unpick some of your career so far. I love that on the notes that we've been provided for you, there is one of your big inspiration points is like so many guys and girls in the automotive space, a big flying machine, Concorde, <laughs> was a, a good design inspiration for you. So did that was that as a small child? Yeah, I was given, um, I've still got it, I, I was given a print of Concorde. I'm not sure if this came in your notes, it but did. okay. And I've and and I kind of, and it was given to me by my parents. So I must have been about I don't know five five to ten, whatever mm. age. And um, and it just completely captured my imagination. This thing that um, you know was created by engineers became beautiful. Then smashed all these records of you know how fast you could fly to New York and so on. And um, and I, th I, I think what happened over time is that I just ended up thinking I just want to make things like that. Yeah. And so I ended up um, going off and doing aeronautics and astronautics as my degree, um, which which is actually quite difficult as a, as yeah, a course. Okay. <laughs> That's kind um, of the top end, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, but 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 it was you know also really enjoyable. And I I was sponsored by Rolls Royce aircraft engines in right. in Derby, so I went to work for them. And I worked for them every summer and I worked for them after university. And um, the amount of things that, that that taught me, I have to say, is still to this day completely draw on it. And, wow. and so, 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 so I, I, I do kind of um, think that things happen to you in your career and you do them and you, you, they only make sense to you 5, 10, 20, mm -hmm. 30 years later. Absolutely right. And you kind of draw back on all of those things. So we still talk about this as, as my foundation. I am you know, a qualified aeronautical engineer and Rolls-Royce and all of that. Mm -hmm. what, 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 um, what it really gives you is a sort of a set of skills and a, and a mindset. Um, yeah. and, and I can remember working at Rolls-Royce, for example, um, uh, every time there was a new order, they would send over either the Red Arrows or um, Spitfire and Hurricane and Lancaster oh, wow. or something like that. And you'd wow. all go outside and you'd see this fly by. You know, there'd be an announcement. You'd all go outside and it would just get you here. Oh, and God, it's, yeah. aircraft still kind of get me here. Mm -hmm. I still one day would like to to own my own aircraft and yeah. things. That's, a, that's my only kind of indulgence ambition, really, I guess. That's nice. Um, so you don't have a pilot's license at the moment? I don't. I've done a little bit of flying, a little bit of sort of lessons and stuff, but I'm, yeah, it's something I'm saving up. Brilliant. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I completely get that. I mean, I, I'm obsessed, and this is all my dad's fault, completely, I'm going to say, dragging me along to air shows as a child, but of course I absolutely loved it. But yeah, things like seeing the Battle of Britain formation of a Lancaster Spitfire and a Hurricane. It does, yeah. it's mm -hmm. that noise, the, the the Merlin and the Griffith engines, and you just yeah. kind of, it turns something on inside your body, doesn't it? You can feel it. It's the same as when you like go to Goodwood Revival or something, and usually yeah. in the mornings when everyone's just starting to arrive, you get a cup of coffee, and then you see like the Spitfires flying over you, and you yeah. suddenly think, wow, that's just, as you said, there's something, even if you're not that interested in, you know, that kind of, you know, the, I don't know, technology side of things, there's still something that yeah. makes you think, God, that is still seriously cool, even with my lack of knowledge. So, yeah, yeah it's, I don't know what it is, something inside us as, as humans. And there probably is a link there with motorcycles yes. and yeah. cars, you know, <laughs> yeah. and the way that they sound and mm -hmm. feel and smell and yeah. everything else. And I think um, you can't always put your finger on exactly what it is about no, something like it. that. It's just a, it's an emotional response. But the idea that engineering can give you an emotional response, I think, is... is Oh, it, completely. It's fascinating. Yeah. Really interesting. There was a, an article when I was, I was with a um, production 
media outlet, Car Throttle, years ago, and one of the a journalists, one of the writers there, decided to write an article about the frequency of sound, and he managed to find somebody who was an expert on frequencies and noises, and they discovered that there were certain engine tones, a V10 engine produces an emotion because of the hertz in which it yeah. emits its noise, it kind of invokes this emotion. So there are certain car manufacturers, certainly not so much these days because everything's now so focused on the bureaucratics of economy and um, reliability and things, but there was an era where manufacturers were trying their best, BMW being one of them, to produce a V10-engined M car because they knew that the sound would evoke. They knew that it would get people really feeling it. And I mean, obviously, that isn't the case with a Merlin engine in a Spitfire because I don't think the engineers cared about what it sounded like at the time. Yeah. They just wanted to create something that was incredible. But my God, there is something about that noise that just... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it turns on all sorts of fizzy feelings in me. It's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. So how did it go from aeroplane-based things to yeah. where we're sat today and you've got these awesome products next to you? That must have been a journey in itself. Like, was it straight from planes to, you know what, I want to lock up my plane and I'm going to make something I, to do Yeah, I, well, I think I could... I could. I, I was sort of going down a route of um, becoming very specialist in... in in Rolls-Royce and in aircraft, you know, in that kind of engine space. And I think what I, like a lot of sort of young people, I kind of looked, stopped and, and looked at it and went, well, is this what I want to do for the next, you know, 30 years or something? And what I realised is that what I wanted to do from that Concorde moment was actually develop the whole product. Mm -hmm. So perhaps naive, naively, and, and I see naivety as a strength, by the way, mm. um, but um, I looked at Concorde and thought, well, I could design that. Or I didn't think I could design it, but I thought I'd like to design it mm -hmm. um, or, or to, to create it. And, and of course, the great things do come from individuals, but they also come from teams. Mm -hmm. um, I discovered that there was this whole area that I'd never even heard of, which was its sort of innovation and industrial design and the kind of product design thing. So I, so I actually left my Rolls-Royce job, much to the absolute dismay of my parents at the time, <laughs> who were like, you've got an amazing job, you've worked really hard to do this. And I went back to college, and I ended up going back to sort of art college, which I think oh, is... Nice. So this is why I, I've got this kind of hybrid background of this kind of engineering technical thing and then um, uh, sort of art school design thinking and, uh, and, then, and then latterly kind of entrepreneurship. So I've become, and it's taken a bit of a period, but I, I ended up um, starting my own design consultancy and de designing whole products for people. Um, and then um, I, I went to the Royal College of Art in London, which was just, I, I'm still kind of, I still love the place mm. and ended up as a visiting professor there. Um, but um, there's just amazing people there. There's a course which operates between the Royal College, which is about a thousand students, and Imperial College, which is about thirty thousand students. Or was the last time I checked? Mm. And uh, and and this kind of um, throwing together of those those institutions and the expertise produces all this kind of amazing stuff. Mm. And uh, so yeah, I I came out of there. I sort of never left there really. But, um, <laughs> Uh, and, and I started a consultancy and I started working on lots of diverse things and then being responsible for whole products. Yeah. And some of them might have been very small or, or you know, but, um, and, uh, and that's really how I've got the sort of experience to do the kind of startup business in, a, in an area like, like for Lightlock, mm -hmm. um, where I do say to people it's sort of a culmination of years and years and years of everything I've ever done, whether it's 
you know, hardcore engineering, metallurgy even. I've worked in metallurgy labs. Uh, I'm not a metallurgist, but I've, I've done that stuff. Um, brand, design, usability, mm. aesthetics, kind of plastic mouldings, all of it mm-hmm. all come, has come together. Amazing. And that, so that was, was that Gusto? So Gusto is my, my consultancy, yeah, which is a, you know, all sort of based around me. I started it in London while I was still at the Royal College. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, employed at, at, at sort of peak quite a few people and, um, and then eventually moved it when I was about to have my first child, my son, mm-hmm. I moved it to Wales, which is where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, 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 you know, made it sort of try to make it work for me a bit more. But I kept on sort of plowing up and down to, to London, which I, I haven't done so much in the pandemic, but I sort of love that. <laughs> kind of I live in a rural place but then I've got the connection with London and the city and I completely get that yeah it's a it's a, I've having grown up in London and now living in leafy Warwickshire I go back to visit dad and family who still live and dad lives in very very central London and London now is so much more exciting to me as somebody that no longer lives there yeah I go back and yeah you feel enveloped in this atmosphere of just noise and bustle and it's brilliant and then yeah, I get to get back in the car, drive up the M40, and I'm the, my next door neighbour is a sheep. So you know, you yeah. can just hear them rather than parties and noises, and it's great. I, I I live right on the end of the Gower Peninsula, which is you know really yeah. as far, almost as far, well, it's not as far west, but it's it's looking straight out over the the Atlantic. Yeah, uh, it's quite. It has its moments. It's quite. I always look a bit windswept, <laughs> um, and, and and am. But um, we also get really great starry skies so you can see the milky way and stuff like that and i think i've just sort of i do work pretty hard so i i I will often sort of go outside late at night maybe with a dog in the dark and just look up Mm. and try to to sort of you know there you go it leads back to the aerospace once again you're you're looking at back to where it all rooted from yeah yeah yeah. up which is awesome and whilst you were at so or whilst you were Gusto, you you designed and invented some incredible things. So the one that jumps out to me, I don't know why I'm so obsessed with this, but I think it's because I've always there's always been one in my you, kitchen or bathroom cabinet. Listeners, you will have had one in your hand yourself. Yeah. So if you've ever been to Boots and bought a bottle of the premium vitamins, the little silvery grey with a curious shaped lid bottle, that was your design, wasn't it? You invented that. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So that's around about 2006, I think. Um, and I'd worked on something else for, for Boots. And what, what people didn't realise is, and probably, still, I don't know where, what's happening with them now, but they um, manufacture their own vitamins, they package them, and then they sell them in their own shops. That's yeah. actually quite unusual. Like, yeah. nobody does that, really. Yeah. You know, it just does the whole kind of full, the full gamut. And they, they came to us, we had a connection with their creative director, which was just, I can't remember how that came about, but it was... Um, oh, it's through Body Shop. So I'd done some work for Body Shop originally. Again, right. I've got this kind of this kind of interesting things that, that, that we've developed over over years, and um, it's a very kind of environmental project, which actually is a is a thread and a theme in, in a lot of the stuff I've done. But anyway, um, in in the Boots thing, they wanted to to communicate the fact that they were making vitamins here in the UK that they were premium because I think they were challenged by um, a lot of other people just buying things in and sticking them in bottles and whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so the brief was really about how do you get that premium nature across, 
but also they, their target market were sort of slightly older, slightly skewed towards female, mm-hmm. people that couldn't open bottles. Mm-hmm. And, right. uh, and so that whole project was a complete ergonomics kind of exercise and communication exercise. So actually what happened was I came up with loads and loads of different concepts which we made and then we presented them back to, to, to Boots. And the one that, that kind, of re- um, kind of resonated was the one with the sort of rounded top. And mm. the idea was that, that that lid actually fits beautifully into your hand, into the palm of your hand. Yeah, yeah. And actually you can apply quite a lot, lot more leverage mm. to that as you're opening the bottle. But then the other thing that was, was really evident was that um, the communication of which vitamin you're you're actually buying yeah. is a nightmare. So yeah. if you go into a shop, into somewhere like like a, a pharmacy, and you're, you're faced with all of these vitamins, how do you find what you need quickly? Mm-hmm. So it's a really simple thing. I just put a little angled kind of, um, uh, sort of section on that rounded lid, and then put a round sticker which said, you know, vitamin C or whatever it yeah. was. And there's a whole hierarchy in that design, which actually is what which things come forward to the to the user and which kind of recede. So what order do you receive all of the information in? Mm-hmm. And then there's obviously the physical, tangible things about opening it easily. There's the material, which is kind of premium and sort of silvery. And I, I got really obsessed with silver, silver <laughs> things around about then. Everything was silver. And my whole studio was silver at one point. Um, and, you know, you get those kind of themes, don't you? Everything's black at the moment. But... Um, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so so that that, that that's really the story, and Imagine. and it, and what I, I get, I have to say this is to anybody anybody like me that's listening is, I still get that massive sort of um, excitement when I see my products of being course. sold or being used. Yeah, yeah. I, I you know it's 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 for me it's the fact that that's been around for so long means mm-hmm. it's successful. And I know that it's kind of plastic packaging, which I'm not kind of comfortable mm. with. I would prefer if it wasn't, mm. but it is labelled and recyclable and separable and so on. Yeah. Um, but it's just that kind of that, that that thing of well, you did all that work. Somebody else rated it. They put it into production. Yeah. And now I get people, you know. Uh, um, saying, oh, you designed that. I'm like, just what you just said. Are you ever tempted just to walk into Boots if you need to get a sandwich or something? You see someone holding a packet, you just walk behind and go, uh, I invented that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> just so you know. Not Well, the only, the only as close as I get to that, I, I try not to, but I, there were two things that happened to me. One was that in uh, Mumbles, where I was going with my little kids when they were tiny, um, just going shopping or something, and I walked along and there was a bus shelter with a huge advert on it with the vitamins. Brilliant. I photographed it because uh, it, it was a really cool illustration as well. So it's a sort of illustrated woman who was holding this kind of thing and whatever. And then um, I'd, because it had been released around about then, I went into Boots and rather than trying to get Boots the HQ in Nottingham to send me loads of product. I just went and bought loads. <laughs> so I went and bought loads, and then the person behind the desk was like, "Why are you buying all these vitamins? Are you okay? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. vitamin overload." Um, and uh, and so I ended up. So I had to explain that I'd actually designed it, and they Amazing. were like, "Oh my god, you designed this!" And it's kind of uh, that was cool. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital.
That's yeah. really cool. Um, but also, it must be quite nice, yeah, especially going around with your kids, because you could just like casually say, oh, child of mine, did you know that I designed <laughs> this? Just quite loudly yeah. in the, yeah, yeah, in the yeah, shop yeah. or something. Um, something yeah. I wanted to ask. I think my well. kids are probably embarrassed by stuff like that. <laughs> they're older yes, now. Yes, Dad, I know. <laughs> um, what are some products then that you just kind of see daily? You think, that's a clever design. Mm. Or something, yeah, that, I suppose things that you at the minute think, that's that's cool. Oh, jeez. Like, that is a really good question. Well, I'm just thinking, well, well, I think about it, it's just come out in the news this week actually that the new pylon design in the first one for for years and years and years has come out of um you know these new pylons going to be put up they're not going to be the eiffel tower like well there's a now. there's a story there's stories everywhere you you'll regret having talked to me <laughs> at all um, but um i actually was going to enter that competition wow. to design that pylon so i get really obsessed with um when some when there's a call out for something new, mm-hmm. and I just think I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, the one that was successful was I did a, a, a water carafe for London, which yes. was yes. was um, was recycled glass and manufactured in the UK and all of that. But anyway, coming back to the pylon question, I was actually thinking about that riding along in the rain on the motorcycle this morning, <laughs> because I was going past loads of pylons. Yeah. Now I was actually thinking, well. I've seen what's what's. I think it's is it Danish or. Um, I've just googled it now because I oh, haven't. I didn't know anything about it, so I'm now going to have a quick look. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the T-shaped electricity pylon. Yeah. Wired so, up by the national grid. Yeah. So I can give you my quick critique of it. Yes. Uh, so I think so because I because I was a little bit. Um, so what what I would have done is done something much more organic, really? and much more um, kind of of its time, mm-hmm. which is. You can use engineering to, to algorithms to create structures that are super efficient. Mm-hmm. Now, actually, the old pylons were, I, 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 it's really sad, but I'd, I remember reading about how they were, the structures were developed. Mm-hmm. So they're actually um, sort of lattice structures, which are the engineers, it's all done from the maths yeah. and the engineering. And they create these kind of um, patterns within patterns, which then give you enough stiffness and enough mm. kind of strength to, to, to make it stand up. Now, I think there's quite a lot of beauty in that. It's not easy to make. So when you look at that compared with, um, say, a T, the T-shaped one, the T-shaped one is much more like a... So as I was riding along, I was looking at the... Um, this is so sad. <laughs> that you, you, it's like you can pick anything, and I've probably thought about it today. Uh, the Central Reservation on motorways mm-hmm. has exactly the same kind lamp of designs, the lampposts. Yeah. And yeah. Th- what's beautiful about them is they're actually tapered so that, um, so that the, 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 the material's in the right place because yep. you get bigger bending moments at the bottom of it and you get smaller ones at the top of it, which is why things are tapered. Yeah. Um, so I think there's some beauty there. Um, I, I was a little bit surprised that it wasn't more organic or wasn't more kind of deconstructed. It's very kind of tubular and stuff. Yeah. But then I think that there's a bit of a shock of the new with everything, even for people like me. That yeah. You see something and you're like, is that the best, is that the best thing? Mm. And then you start to look at I'd love to see, and I haven't spent time looking at it. I saw it as a news item. But seeing what it looks like en masse, that would be my yeah. real kind of test is, is, is how does it look in a... A, you know, a beautiful kind of countryside run. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's almost going to look like um, a sort of ski lifts or something yes. like That's that. That's what I. So, having looked at it, because I have I genuinely, dear listener, I've just Googled this for the very first time and I'm looking at it on a BBC News article. And it does, it looks like a lamppost yep. that you'd find on the motorway. And my immediate thought is hang on, why haven't we just used lampposts on the motorway to get our power? Why don't we link power cables to the motorway network, which would then 
driving all over the oh, country. That's a great I, idea. I guess there is probably a, a reason that we haven't done that. I'm sure I'm not the first person to think about it. But seeing that design, I immediately look at that as lamppost. But you're right, in a, in a but, row, it's going to look like either lamppost or a ski lift. But it's that kind of thinking that you just said. I think that's a great idea. And yeah. I think it's that kind of propositional thinking, which is where innovation comes from. Yeah. You know, there isn't a reason why you can't do that. There, mm. there, pro- there, probably, there probably is at the there moment. Will, yeah. There'll be some yeah. regulatory thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you can probably find your way around it. Yeah. And it's only peop- that people like me that will then just take on something like that and go, right, I'm going to see what, how far I can take this. Mm. And that's how you end up with new things. Yeah, indeed. So I'm, I'm, I'm sort of the jury's out on the design at the moment for that. But I think they're, I'd, I'm thinking about it. It's kind of like, <laughs> um, I don't know yet. Yeah. I just didn't get, didn't get my answer of what you think is a great design of something. Uh-huh. Oh, well, I, I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of great design. I think around. I think since I've been doing design as a, as a kind of career, I think. Um, at the beginning, it was hard to, to get people to understand what design was, and they always applied design to things. Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose it's the, the difference between your, your, the way that you think is from an inventing point of view, it's the, the marrying of the engineering and the, the usability and the design, rather than, you know, you have, for example, automotive designers, they are there to design the car, and yes, they have to work in harmony with things, but as you said, it's, it's more of a design, you design the thing to look I don't know, nice once you've invented the thing for example and so from your point of view you'll be looking at every single facet of that to try and understand we we we, um so in the baffle house when we we arrived here today there's a mini in the in the on Mm. on the way in Mm -hmm. now actually i've got stories everywhere um but that sorry this is not even going to answer your question again (laughs) but you maybe you'll allow me to just kind of move towards vehicles and things (laughs) okay fine um but um my first car was a mini i actually had two and it was a mini minor which was not unfortunately a cooper which is what was downstairs yeah but it did have those external hinges the sliding windows the little piece of cable in the door and all of that and um uh but people will know about um, Sir Alec Isagonis, who designed that, and I, that was the thing that triggered for some reason when you mentioned it. Um, but his his design, I think, embodies that kind of thing that I'm about, which is it isn't a styled object. It's actually come from him completely rethinking the car, turning the engine mm-hmm. 90 degrees, mm-hmm. building that hydroelastic suspension, little wheels, mm-hmm. all of it, you know, building around the person. And I think... I suppose, sorry, that's a really old example, but I think design that's built around users and um, uh, I'm, I'm going to do the real cliche, which is the Apple kind of reference. Mm-hmm. But that, just because it's sort of triggered a, 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 just a sort of a story, but the original Steve Jobs thing with the iPod was that, that do you know the story of that? The, no, so no. the original iPod was actually Toshiba had made a disk drive that was very small and that nobody wanted because nobody needed a small disk drive for for laptops and so on because they weren't that small. And Jobs had seen it and said, well, hang on a minute, had asked the manufacturer, does that mean I could put loads of pictures and music on that and carry it in my pocket? And that there there were MP3, I think they were called, Mm -hmm. players at the time. Um, but then that whole iPod thing was just like the proposition was: what if you could carry all of this stuff around with you? And that's obviously then, if you 
fast forward, um, has ended up with iPhone, which mm. completely disrupted the whole phone thing. Mm. I've actually got every mobile phone I've ever had. Have you? You'd expect this, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I would expect that. Um, and my first one was um, was a Nokia one, which Nokia almost doesn't exist now. It's kind yeah, of in yeah. a different format. And, um, but it was it wasn't the giant brick one. I wish it was because <laughs> I didn't really have any money when the giant brick one was around and didn't have much more when I got my one but um it, but it's big and I and I thought and I and I can remember thinking sorry I've gone way off here. no I like it, <laughs> I enjoy it. okay uh, I can remember thinking that how are phones ever going to get any better than this and this is an yeah. innovator thinking yeah. how are they going to get any you know at the time the little tiny screen that was black and white mm -hmm. and everything was actually individual buttons mm -hmm. And, and if you then, and, and so I realized that actually then as I did get new phones, and I can remember having um, uh, the, the Nokia, the very famous one, I can't remember the number. Close 310. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> uh, and, and, and actually that's tiny and really, and actually still really great, and they still work. You can pick one up and charge it, and it'll still work. It's amazing. <laughs> I just kept them all. Yeah. So I had all these phones, and then the, the, the iPhone came in, and I... Originally, it didn't. The, the the whoever it was had the um, the contract for the signal, didn't work where I lived because I lived uh -huh. you know, in the middle yeah. of, of, mm -hmm. of sort of uh, sort of rural place. Um, so I didn't get the first one, but I did get one the sort of second lot. And I can remember looking at it, and I've still got them all. So I've mm. got all of those iPhones, thinking this is just phenomenal. This yeah. is just like an innovator's kind of dream. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online, and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Just a complete rethink. You've got buttons have disappeared. You've got pictures, you've got sound, you've got, you've got your iPod in there. So I'm sorry it's a cliche, but that's still really good. Um, well, in that case then, so I assume you still have an iPhone now. I do. As an innovator and inventor, yeah. how now does a phone get even better than it already is? Oh, geez, you're really asking me now. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I mean, you're talking to the man that's put... Um, I put um, computers into surfboards and, and guitars back in the day yeah. to demonstrate technology for, for Intel. Huh. And I've still got some of those. I've got still got one of the guitars. It's actually a Fender guitar. Right. Um, but um, to predict where it's going is really difficult. Mm -hmm. I think it's obviously getting smaller and more energy efficient. Yeah. I think we're very wasteful to to, to be kind of constantly upgrading things. Mm -hmm. And it's nice to see actually now people are not doing that. They're um, they're tending to hang on yeah, to them for a bit true. longer and because their batteries are better and the screens last longer and all that. Yeah. But I think um, what, when I was a, a student at the RCA, uh, the Royal College of Art, um, there was a whole department trying to get rid of screens and um, uh, keyboards. Oh, really? The, 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 it wasn't... Yeah. I mean, that, it was called computer-related design and they just did everything about gesture and so on. Some of that's come in 
And I think that we're seeing the sort of miniaturization, the disappearing of technology into other things and the sort of distribution of it, so yeah. Internet of Things and all of that. Um, so I think you'll see, see all of that. But if you think about the phone at the moment, it's the integration of every kind of device. You know, I yeah. navigated here yep. on mm -hmm. the motorcycle using it. Yeah. There, it wasn't very long ago that sat-nav would be built into everything mm -hmm. That's uh, right. if you could afford it. Yeah. And now it's not. And yeah. so I think, the I don't know, is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's a, a very honest answer and it works perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we've, we've probably talked for over half an hour now and we've not even mentioned really the thing that we want to be talking about, which is, so let's go from, so you've, you've got from that point. Are you riding motorcycles at this point? Uh, I, I am, yes. So um, I've been riding motorcycles for some time and, and bicycles as well. Um, and uh, I arrived today on a GS, a BMW GS, say. Yep. And what a... Do you want me to talk about that? Yes, yes please. Yeah. What, what a, an absolute... Um, incredible. That's an incredible thing. It's 40 years old. And so, I, so it's actually a, a borrowed one. Mm -hmm. okay, so I have another motorcycle, which is just... Which is, is really interesting, actually, the differences. So, so I've got a really old KTM, which is a single cylinder. Nice. Absolutely no electronics, no nothing, no heated, no, no, no heated kind of things, no, yeah. no, no aids or anything. And then the comparison with riding the GSA, and and actually, I rode one last year as well for the, for a period. And even just in a year or it's a year and a half, probably in terms of the model, it's come on again. Mm. It's just so smooth. It's amazing. It is amazing. Um, really beautifully kind of, again, it's that kind of combination of design, um, usability, engineering, quality as well. So I, I, I've become quite geeky about corrosion coatings and, yeah. and, and, uh, and the way things fit together. Mm -hmm. It's got this, the new luggage system on it, which expands, mm. which actually is quite clever. And yeah. it's, I was just trying to work out how it's made. <laughs> so it's actually made out of aluminium sheets, which okay. are then welded in the corners. Oh. And it's got little moldings over it. And I was just only just looking about an hour ago at, at that. It's quite expensive, yeah. But but actually, the the way it removes and fits and locks is really interesting to me, and, and I'm just kind of geeky about all this stuff. But the bike as a whole is 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 a real joy to ride, and I do yeah. get. I, I love the story of how you and McGregor and Charlie Borman um, managed to make that into a, a mega thing. Yeah. Because because it because uh, the same thing happened with the Hilux. I actually had a Hilux as well. Right. And because of that um, Top Gear thing, yeah. Yeah, do you know the indestructible part? Yeah. And I do think that you've got the power of media to do this to, to things, mm. um, and it can also go the other way. But um, but the idea that you've got this this bike that can just ride around the world, and yeah. you know, is, is I think all of us, have, or not all of us, but anybody that's into bikes, will look at it and think, I'd like to do that. Yeah, yeah completely. And yeah. I really yeah. enjoyed the electric, um, you know, the um, the. The Harley one. I also had a little go with one of those last year, mm. and really interested in that as an off-grid kind mm. of kind yeah, of thing. of course, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. We had um, almost a year ago to the day, the 40th anniversary. The R. I need to think of how many letters and numbers it was. The R1250 GSTE, which was the 40th anniversary edition, and that was incredible because, of course, it had all the bells, whistles, and gadgets and everything on it, and. That was the first time I'd ever been on a GS product or even a, an adventure bike. And it became so apparent to me that this is 40 years of just 
constant evolution. It's just got better and better and better. And I actually, one of the comments I had whilst riding around on that is, how, how do you make this better? You know, without autonomy and things, which most people don't want on motorcycles, how do you make this product even better? It's just, well, it's so good. The amazing thing is that I, the, the one that, that I was riding today is, um, has got these kind of knobbly off-road tires. And I've yeah. just ridden up the motorway on mm. it. And you'd never know. Yeah. <laughs> It's amazing. It yeah, really is yeah. amazing. Everything is refined, and you can change the riding mode as you're riding along. Yep. Um, and and so on. Um, and and you just what what I was thinking about again, like I said, it's like thinking about the um, the electricity pylons on the way. It's just the team of people behind this. Mm -hmm. There will be lots of people like me and my, and my team of engineers, absolutely obsessed with getting this right, get, making it better, learning what worked, what didn't work. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll sort of really suck up all the feedback and so on and try to make their products better because yeah. they, lo they love it. And, and that, you know, that's what I try to do in Lightlock is that, and we've got a passionate bunch of people that we talk about love and care in our products. Mm -hmm. We genuinely care about stopping thefts mm -hmm. yeah. um, and making the best product we can, we can make. Yeah. So, so that, I think that, that is what, that's the thread. Absolutely. And that, that ties us perfectly onto why you're here today that all three of us sat around this table we all ride mm -hmm. we're sat at Baffle House which is a, a riding hub for motorcyclists and of course our biggest fear as riders is besides falling off perhaps but our other biggest fear is that these machines that we love so much that we've got an emotional relationship with that we've chosen to opt into being having part of our lives they do get stolen and it's quite often they're quite easy to steal, aren't they? People mm. do make a career out of stealing other people's prized possessions. It's a lot easier to steal a motorcycle than it is to steal a car. So was there ever a moment where you thought, right, I have to do something about this? Was the, the process of inventing what you've invented now, is there a story behind that? Did you have anything stolen or was it just a case of wanting to improve a product that already existed? Well, the, 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 there are two sort of roots of this, really. One is that um, I... Um, I've had three bicycles stolen, uh -huh. and uh, and those, you know, that that I know what it feels like to to, to lose that, and um, and that's sort of a, a quite a driving force behind this. Um, and at the time when I started working on this, and bear in mind that you know we talked about sort of um, uh, before we were talking, we were talking about failing mm -hmm. and failing early and stuff. Um, you know, I failed to get this off the ground a few times as well. So mm. there's always a backstory to, to, to stuff. Um, but um, I so I noticed that and 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 um, that did a whole project around the fact that bikes were getting lighter and lighter, but mm. it's bicycles. Yep. Uh, and locks were getting heavier and heavier. Mm. And thought, well, hang on, that's a paradox. Mm. Now, what's actually happened in the time that I've been running the business is that bikes are actually getting heavier right. and bigger. Yeah, of course. Now, if we go now onto motorcycles, um, I spent probably, I don't know, 10 years or something riding a motorcycle around London mm -hmm. when I had my studio in London. And I had a, um, a, a big heavy chain that used to go around my shoulder. I probably couldn't do it now. Um, <laughs> and it used to, but I used to pride myself on... I can get anywhere in London within half an hour. And it yeah. was the kind of world that I was operating in. You know, clients and so on wanted their work quickly. We delivered everything by motorcycle courier and so on. But I had a motorcycle there and I and I and so I, I and I and that's 
I loved finding my way around London. And that's mm. when I go back, um, I just, you know, I quite like that kind of the knowledge. Yeah, you know, that yeah. kind of knowledge that, that you get and it doesn't really leave you. Have my rabbit runs and so on. But anyway, um, the, I locked my bike up, my motorcycle, everywhere I went and, and it never got stolen. Mm. And I certainly, um, you know, the, the, there were thefts and, you know, there was there is best practice on what you do. But I was carrying a sort of eight and nine kilo chain around mm -hmm. with me, mm, yeah. which is it's heavy. And there's yeah. still that kind of weight. And I think if you look at what we've done recently with the Moto kind of range, so Lightlock Core Moto is the new product that we've just released that is basically... And I, and I think it's fair to say this is my pandemic project. Mm -hmm. And I can talk about that a bit more in a minute. Um, but that was what I did in lockdown, is develop several new technologies. Mm -hmm. not, not completely on my own, but, but a lot of the time on my own, certainly starting it. Um, but is to, is what we want to do is to be able to give people portable security that is really, really good. Mm -hmm. And that they can actually carry. And so that they, you know, we're not necessarily trying to replace what they might have at home because yeah. having a 20 kilo chain at home actually is probably pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and lots of people online and elsewhere and in magazines and so on talk about layered security. And I would have pushed that across to everybody. So we're ne we'd never want to just say, look, you only need this. Yeah. Because if... if you know, I don't want anybody's bike to get stolen. Mm -hmm. That is that is the fact. That you know, and 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 they will get stolen with whatever they've got because mm -hmm. of course. it's like a constant battle with mm -hmm. thieves. Um, but yeah, so the whole sort of thing behind light lock is a lighter lock, which is technically determined by our engineering and what we can make. I would say quite firmly that what we make is not what anybody else makes. Um, we don't really go around sort of, we, we obviously look at other people's products, but we don't go around following people. Mm -hmm. We're leading our own trail um, and, and, um, and trying to do what we think is the best way of, of, of doing our kind of product. So when you look at our products, they're always very different from everybody else's. Yeah. That's kind of all a sort of a skill, but it's also a bit of a curse because mm -hmm. people don't always understand them and they yeah. you need to explain them to people. But I think when you do explain them, um, I think people get it. So there, that, that, that's really the, the rationale is giving people lighter, high quality, insurance rated security mm. um, and doing that through engineering. And I think we do, we, we're now a manufacturing company, we're manufacturing our own locks here in Wales. And um, we go over and, and above, you know, I, I did a, a sort of um, a component count recently, and I think there's up to 102 components oh, wow. in one of our moto locks, so I have one right here. And you, when you look at it, you think, well, I can't be 102 parts in there. <laughs> but if I start explaining it to you, you'll, you'll understand why there are. I yeah. suppose I would like to know about where do you start with that? So, like, do you think to yourself, right, I'm going to create something out of my head from scratch, put it on paper, and then we'll see about creating it? Or do you start with, okay, well, what have we got to begin with in, you know, the real world? So I start with a chain, and then you think, okay, well, what about if I wrap this chain with something? Like, what is the starting the, point and well, then the process? Well, both of those work, yeah. and you might do all of that at the same time. Mm -hmm. So you're constantly looking at other people's products and thinking, well, what is good and what is bad about them and and then the other technologies but i think the power there's a powerful kind of um thing called, uh, called technology transfer which is taking something from one place and bringing it to another mm -hmm. so being inspired by and i i'm you know very sort of uh, um, inspired by looking around me i and i mentioned before we started talking about um 
suspension bridges and how that had inspired a joining technology for yeah. one of our products. And you know, that was the simple thing of when you take um, cables that hold up suspension bridges, you can't just put them into concrete because they just pull out. Mm-hmm. So you have ways of um, socketing them or putting them around steel constructions and all of that can then inspire a joining technology in a, in a lock. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's one way. Um, but what actually happened with the, the Lightlock Core um, product was that uh, I was testing all of the tools that might attack. Now, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but yeah, that, that, that yeah. might attack um, the, the, the locks that we're making. Now, we, we are sort of famous for our original kind of, um, if you like, strapline is uh, light, flexible, secure. Yeah. It's a really interesting thing that, you know that thing about three things, you can never have all three of them. Mm. And so if you think about, um, you know, light and flexible, you might get a cable, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but it's not very secure. Mm-hmm. If you think about flexible and secure, you get a chain, mm-hmm. it's not very light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, what the whole light lock thing is about trying to pull together and get into that kind of holy grail. Venn diagram of... Exactly, <laughs> yeah. And it's not easy. No. So, and what you end up doing is creating multiple, um, having multiple materials in a system that protect against multiple tools. Mm-hmm. It's no good having a, a lock that, that works brilliantly against one tool but doesn't work against another. Yeah. And, and really at the end of this, the test is always, um, is, 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 is for us, is an independent accreditation. So we go in the UK to someone like Sold Secure, which is part of the Master Lock mm-hmm. Association. They test our products at a particular kind of insurance rating and if it passes it gets that badge mm-hmm. and then people can have insurance based on that Got so you. that's certainly in the bicycle field in motorcycle field you tend to get an, a discount from your premium or something mm-hmm. like that or you're told that you need a motorcycle gold lock yeah so light lock core is um is motorcycle gold rated brilliant the driven chat podcast in association with paramex digital I guess that's the that's the best argument, isn't it? To that, as you mentioned before, trying to explain a concept of something that's so new, mm. i.e., a secure lock for your bike, but it's light. Yeah. To a lot of people, that doesn't it doesn't compute because no. they've always associated big locks, good locks to be heavy. You know? Yeah, weight is a sign of quality. Exactly. So yeah, trying to explain that without that certification is always going to be such a challenge. So it's brilliant that you've got it. It is, and and if I talk a little bit about the technology, then mm. so so this this so I have have a product here. Um, the first thing that you'll notice, it looks like a big kind of hoop or something like that, like a big wheel, if you like. Um, and when you hold it in your hands, I think you guys mm-hmm. felt it earlier. It feels when it's closed, it feels really quite rigid. Yeah. And, and I think it's quite surprising when you talk about flexibility. You, you open it with a key, all our keys and everything is, is stainless steel, so we're all kind of co- corrosion resistant and, and so on. Um, you, you open it up and then you get the flexibility. Now it's not sort of stupidly flexible like a you know a rubber band or something. It's 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 you're able to cinch it so you can you can shut it down or you can roll it up yeah. to a, to a carryable size. So it might fit in a bag or something. Yeah, yeah. We do different lengths. We do a, a, a 1.25 meter and a 1.5 meter for moto. Mm-hmm. Um, now what's actually let me talk about the lock a little bit. Um, so. The whole technology, really, that was developed over the COVID nineteen pandemic, <laughs> was the was really the what I would describe as the strap, so the sort of flexible element. 
And inside there, it's called light lock core. Um, we call this um, a Boeflexical Plus. So our original technology is Boeflexical, so it's kind of gone <laughs> another level. Yeah. And uh, I quite like making up names like that as well. <laughs> well you just join some stuff together, yeah. you'll get a trademark, <laughs> basically. And actually, there is a good backstory to that as well, which is that Boa was the sort of snake reference to the to all of this. And I and it was in the original brand name. We ended up having to drop it, but actually couldn't drop it. So I ended up because I loved it. Yeah. So we have Boa Green as one of our colours, mm. and we have Boa Flexicore as our material. Anyway, so this 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 material has a flexible centered um, flexible core, mm -hmm. and that that obviously completely gives it that flexibility. And it's it's you know it's got good security properties, but we what we do is we layer on top of that, so it's actually a quite a sophisticated thing. It's a marine grade kind of collection of materials on the inside. The next layer out is actually um, an, an exoskeleton, so it's made in individual components that interlock together mm -hmm. to give you flexibility, to put, but to protect the core. Mm -hmm. And that's actually got a, quite a nice aerospace um, uh, connection, as you'd expect. Yep. yep. So it's actually made the of theme. yeah. Uh, you, you, there's a there's a there's a uh, we use a material which is used in aerospace, um, which is very kind of high impact resistance, and it's quite ductile. But we harden the outside of it. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't think I'm giving anything away here that lock makers are you know, not going to know. But to get it working, you've got to do it right, and you need to get the geometry right, and you need to get the hematology and the heat treatments and so on right. The next layer up is something I'm really proud of as well. I'm proud of all of it. But, and, and, and this has been a big team effort. Once I'd done my first kind of pandemic thing, the engineering team has come along and, and, and just helped get this whole system working. Uh, is um, a plant-based polymer, which is 80% um, non-food chain kind of plant base. Mm -hmm. So we're not depriving anything of its food, mm -hmm. um, but we're also not using petroleum-based plastic. And that holds everything together in a kind of corrosion-resistant kind of package that's also flexible, that can be recycled and removed. And that even in production is zero waste. So we can actually reuse anything that's, wow. that's, that flashes out or whatever. Um, and then on the very top two layers, we've got um, a, a, an abrasion-resistant braided cover. And then we have a neoprene outer cover, which is soft as it goes through your wheels of your bike. Nobody wants scratched things. Yeah. If we talk about the actual lock, is it okay for me it to keep, please yeah, keep, yeah. Uh, Let's, yeah, yeah. keep going on about it? But um, So what, what I, I really like about this is that, um, and again, it's sort of like just looking at things afresh. And this, this came from a previous product line. Um, we have something called clicked lock. So actually our lock closes without the key. Now, actually might not sound like a earth-shattering thing. The way I describe it to people is um, that you wouldn't expect your front door to not close when you close it, not, yeah. not mm -hmm. to lock. You, know, you, you kind of would expect that. And so this was actually a weekend's work to get this working as a concept uh, with a grinding uh, bench grinder and stuff. <laughs> but I can, do it, I can do it next to the microphone so you can hear it. It's quite satisfying. So that's, that's it closing, and then you can hear it opening again. The mechanism is is inside, so there's a lot of good stories here. It depends how long you want me to go on, <laughs> on about this for. But we've got a lots of aerospace and marine-grade materials. We have stainless steel inside. 
Our locks are tested to minus 40 degrees, mm -hmm. um, freezing. So thieves use plumbing spray, which actually freezes water in pipes. Yeah. They, you know, they use a can of spray, they'll spray the lock, hit it with a hammer and chisel, and it'll just disintegrate. Mm -hmm. So obviously we're completely protected against all of that. We have a, a sort of male and female end to the lock, which interlocks, and then a mechanism inside. The actual mechanism, I think we've got something like 10,000 kind of um, possible key combinations. Wow. It's all stainless steel. And then we have a little um, cover on the, uh, that slides on the, um, across the keyhole, which stops the, the weather and mm -hmm. dirt and stuff getting in. Mm -hmm. um, and and, and that's, that's really it. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot in this. Yeah, and, I mean, just even looking at the product mm. for the first time because I've been aware of the product. I've always seen it, and and I've, I remember seeing distinctly remember whilst insuring a bike, seeing Light Lock as one of the drop down options that comes up when you're looking to get your insurance, and, and yeah. there it was. Yeah. So yeah, to be able to see it firsthand, and it can be so easy to disregard things like this, like oh, it's just a it's just a lock, but when you break down the actual individual elements of what makes this such a good product and why it's so good and why everyone that gets involved in it is so passionate about it, it all starts to make sense. It's, it's brilliant to see it. Thank you. Yeah, so it, is, it does become, I do, I do stop myself every now and then and think, well, hang on, this is just a lock. <laughs> um, but you know, I don't think you'd do what I do if you didn't have that kind of get up in the morning, what's the challenge, what are you, what are you trying to do here? Yeah. You know, and you can't, I think you almost have to be obsessive about mm. your work, otherwise you wouldn't do it. Mm. So it has to be important to me. And, and, and so that's why I get kind of really excited about, A, the kind of engineering kind of excellence within this, and then the sort of environmental mm. um, um, kind of um, benefits of things like the plant-based polymer. And then the other one, which is really the top one, is, is just stopping people's bikes from being stolen and giving yeah. them something. People who have motorcycles are you know, passionate about their machines. Mm -hmm. So we're just extending that into the lock. Previously, nobody really cared about locks as much as probably we do. Yeah. So we're trying to give that kind of rethink and, and so on and just do something good. Brilliant. Would you use the same technology in the future to create things like car locks? Like, I know that when I'm trying to find ways to lock up my Defender, I just think to myself, you know, there are certain locks and you start researching all these different ways and you think, you know, you're talking about layers of security of having trackers on and not just steering wheel locks, pedal locks and stuff like that. Would you want to move the technology that you've got for light lock into like automotive locks, like yeah, cars rather than not just motorcycles? Or is that something that's yeah, not really... Yeah, no, no uh, completely. I mean, that, that, so I see the company as being almost a material science company now. It's a technology company. So it happens to operate in bike and motor, motorcycle. Um, but actually there are a lot more things we can do. So people already use our locks for gates and mm -hmm. things like that because they, they're really really quite good for that um, but actually the the suite of technologies we have um, you know a number of granted patents now that we can actually employ in different areas so part of my job is to go out and this you can imagine me loving this so I can just <laughs> go out and just work out what else we're going to do mm -hmm. but, you know there are things um, there, there are some some big opportunities I'm be careful what I say too much but <laughs> there are some things that are susceptible to theft then some new things coming so think about electric vehicles and all mm. the kind of paraphernalia that go around that. Anything that where there's a theft problem could be something that we'd be interested in applying our kind of um, our, our technologies to, and and that goes as far as your Defender. Um, and we actually have an Innovate UK project uh, that's been running for some time, 
and one of the project monitoring officer has a defender and keeps saying, I'm sure this will work for my defender. <laughs> Brilliant. And, and, and so you're not the only one. Okay, good. Um, not that defenders are easy to steal or anything like no, that. No, no, <laughs> no. Um, I suppose that's one thing. When you're doing your research into the, the processes of which people try to steal you know, bikes or whatever, and the way that, for example, I had no idea that the plumber's spray thing was a thing mm. that people would use. Like, do you have to go and speak to, um, I guess, like police, <laughs> yeah, criminals, police yeah. reports yeah. to see how things are stolen, people have had things stolen. Like, how do you do the research behind that? Well, you, 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 you've got to do the hard yards. I've been all over the world, actually, talking to people about theft. Mm. And so I've got immediately stories that I can think of from that question. Um, so I went to um, west coast of the States. I went to San Francisco and Oakland, which is... Mm-hmm. And, and now mm-hmm. I actually went around there on a bike, a higher bike, a bicycle, mm-hmm. um, pedaled, and that's a, such a, a bad mistake. It's <laughs> all uphill. Yeah, of course. Well, one yeah. way, one way. Um, but um, I, I, so ended up, m- incredible things happened. Like I went into some bike shops, and whilst a bike was being returned by a policeman, and really? and then just explaining exactly how things are stolen there, and you know there's a whole thing about using scaffold poles to break locks, which I didn't really know about, and uh-huh. I found all out all about that. And then you see on the streets where bike parts are actually currency, so actually people are trading in bike mm-hmm. parts. And I was in one shop where somebody this is push bikes, right? But mm-hmm. somebody walked in with no brake cables on his bike. And ah. was really incensed, and talked to the owner who I was chatting to about Lightlock, and uh, and he said, yeah, they've been stolen. So somebody stole his brake cables. Wow. Um, the other one, which is just comes to mind, is um, I'm not sure if I should say this because of thieves, but <laughs> actually, should I say? Um, Go for there it. There is always cut it out. out okay. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a, there's a thing where people um, put glue into locks. Yeah. I've heard you of know this. about this? Yeah. Okay. So so you put glue into the lock, you then the the, the so fast setting glue so kind of an epoxy or a, a telling exactly what to do. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but um, you know, you, you, the, the owner comes back, mm. tries to use the lock, they can't. Yeah. They might see a slightly tacky glue, which then kind of alerts them, but they might see that it just doesn't work for mm. some reason. Yeah. They leave the bike overnight. Of course. It's not there when they come back. Mm. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, 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 so we, we're constantly talking to everybody and, and you know, people contact us about thefts and so mm. on. We work with um, Sold Secure. We also work with, this is in the UK, we also work with Secured by Design, which are really worth looking at. Mm. Really a great company. Um, and uh, they, so they're ex-police. So they actually great. will give us all kinds of data mm. about stuff. Mm-hmm. But we have also got some contacts with thieves, which is um, through an, a charity. We've actually got, there's a reform thieves that we're actually working mm-hmm. with at the moment. I can't say too much because we're actually going to release something else. But I think the whole idea of, you know, working with people that actually maybe have reformed and, and you, you know, yeah. know how to, to steal things, mm-hmm. it's, a, 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 it's not quite an arms race, but it's a, it's a battle where you yeah. need to know what people are doing and then you need to address it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're, we're kind of fully immersed. Yeah, <laughs> It's often just getting into that mindset, isn't it? Because those of us that don't get a buzz out of stealing other people's things, we often can't think like a thief. <laughs> no. There was that brilliant, There was, a, I think it was a BBC show, and I'm thinking back, I'm sure I was a kid when it was out, but they would take ex-con house burglars and they would then show the TV crew around the house as yeah. to, oh, this is where I get in and this mm, is what I use. Yeah. And I remember thinking, what a brilliant idea, because, of course, you've got these ex-cons that want to kind of change their ways and change their approach. But 
yeah, you can be the best inventor, the best innovator in the world, but if you don't think like a thief, mm. then perhaps you're not going to design the best lock. So, no, I'm, absolutely. Just like we, what you were saying about like the glue thing, I think, but that's horrible. Why would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you're not a thief. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. We, uh, we, we do, um, it is, it is um, as it gets closer to kind of releasing something, you know, I'm not the best person to test it because yeah. I want it to survive mm. in yeah, a way. Course, because it's my... So, you know, we've engineers that are absolutely brutal on the testing Great. And, and and sort of labs that, that, that do everything. And you, you've got to go, well, hang on, what if I do this? Mm. And I, 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 I kind of feel like you sort of release it to them and go, well, I can only do your best, you know, and then yeah. we'll fix, we'll address it, you know, we'll work out if there's anything there that's that needs sorting out. But... It's actually quite a when you do fix the problems, it's really satisfying because mm. you know, I bet. Yeah, I mean, there's a there is a sort of dark personality side of me here that does want to perhaps once we stop recording say, is there ever an opportunity that we can do like a let's try and steal it test? Because I, I firstly, I'll be rubbish at it. I'll be a rubbish thief. I'm sure of it. But you know, some sort of activity where even if like for a YouTube video or something, we can have a go at stealing a bike with one of your products on and inevitably fail at it but also mm. i was just thinking like do you ever do market research as such where you go and specifically place something to be stolen with your locks and like record what's going on so you have actual Ooh, like real that. thieves come along we're, we're and you can watch them encouraging like, oh, crime <laughs> well basically yeah you know like okay so like for example my my oh, i won't go into the internet as well my brother works for a a computer security firm basically one oh. of the things that they would have to do when he was at his previous place was they would have to physically they were hired by companies to go into that company to try and see how far into that company they could get to could yeah. they get onto a computer could right. they log in so they were they were hired to be the the, the bandits the basically yes yeah. to be able to try and figure it out so yeah like that is exactly that? what you know cyber cyber crime that's yes. what they do that, yeah. they need you know need the best people to so yeah we do we, we we don't quite do that covert thing but we we are thinking about it mm. actually and I, I can see uh, myself sitting in the sort of mystery van you know the scooby <laughs> Do thing yeah. with uh, some screens and uh, you know just and your donuts. Yes, obviously. Yes. Um, but but yeah, I mean, um, I love the idea of you going up and like busting the crime. You're yeah. like, no, don't, don't, don't worry, I'm not yeah. the police. I'm not here to arrest you. Yeah, okay. You just talk me through that technique. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. It's just research. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it, yes. It's a. It's. It is, you do need real world. You know, you, you actually a broken lock can tell you quite a lot so yeah. I'm so sad I, I, I go around the streets particularly if I go to London because there's yeah. so much crime there's so many, many more vehicles right? but I will find parts of lock on the floor I will pick them up yeah. and I will take them back and I found one that was cut with um, with heat with, with some kind of right. torch or something mm. not that long ago and I picked up all the bits and, and you know it, just, it can tell you quite a lot about mm. what's going on so, so everything. So, I'm a terrible kind of hoarder of things like that. <laughs> but, but actually, you do. You need to have your eyes open and see what people are doing. And, yeah. and, and interestingly, I think um, people talk to each other about. Well, I do this. I put two locks on here and this, that, and the other. And, oh, that's a good idea. They help each other because they know what kind of you know if, if, if it's worked for them then it's probably okay. Yeah. But yeah, we, we're constantly evolving what we're doing. Amazing. Well, before we wrap things up, I and mean, we've taken an hour of your time, and it's fascinating learning about this wonderful product. I'm sure this isn't going to be the last that we see of it. I'm very excited by what's coming next. I know that we can't say too much about it because we'll, it'll be revealed. All will be revealed <laughs> yes. uh, through the wonderful PR machine that, uh, that joined us together. <laughs> Hello, Caroline, by the way. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to see what's next. But just as a, a purely 
um, perhaps slightly childish question to, to end with is as a innovator and inventor, is there anything, be there money, no object, budget, no object, logistics, no object. Is there anything that you really wish you had the ability to invent or improve? So something that might already exist, it could be a new type of aircraft. Is there anything that sits at the back of your head and you thinks, think that would be, yeah. if I could, that would be the one thing I'd love to work on? I mean, my, some of mine are really geeky and, and I, <laughs> you know, they're just things that just kind of bug you. So uh -huh. things like packaging. Yeah. Um, actually, my daughter did for school recently did a rant about packaging, which was brilliant. It's probably better than I could do. <laughs> um, but you know, when you see the, you know, we have all got used to getting things delivered, mm -hmm. and you know, there are lots of packaging things around, um, most of which are not very, very good for the environment. Mm -hmm. You know, so that so I'm, I, you know, I do have that kind of. That worries me, that kind of consumerism, the kind of explosion of things. So yeah. I'd like to be able to fix things like that. Um, from a, a sort of, uh, if it's to do with wheels and vehicles and things, I do think the, the whole um, EV area is really interesting. Mm -hmm. But I just think I'd like to see it joined up. So the idea that you're um, generating your electricity you know, hundreds of miles away from where you're using it is not the answer mm. to, to to kind of the whole system. So that distributed um, micro generation, micro energy kind of is like you were talking about the, your idea for the um, for the motorways. Yeah. But just some something. You know, we lose half of the of, of the electricity through the grids. We use mm -hmm. ha we lose half of our water through the pipes. Wow. That those things are just ridiculous. Yeah. You know, those things just need to be better. Um, so sorry, there's some big ones there. No, yeah, that's no, it's but good. it's good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, the, the whole yeah the loss of electricity through transferring electricity has always been something that's absolutely baffled me. And we think in this day and age, why is it? Well, why we're in the baffle better? house, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, uh, you're absolutely right, and it is just that kind of efficiency. Things are not made to be efficient. I think people assume that there's sometimes more love and care in mm. things that they have. Than there actually often is. Yeah. So when you, you know, when you do genuinely put that love and care into things, it's good that people kind of understand it and can see it. But I think we need some major, big shifts in in, yeah. in the way that we're using resources and stuff. And mm. you know, there's nothing wrong with being passionate about you know cars and motorbikes and mm. and all of that. But I think you do need to have it in the context of it needs to be sustainable. Yeah. And um and 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 you know just do our best. People like me need to do our best. I think. Yeah. More love and more passion, yeah. And more, yeah. And British, more care. British built factories, and because that's the other thing that I love about your company is that it's, it's all British. Yeah. You're not exporting to a factory or or uh, no. constructing a factory in China to make everything and then importing it. It's all made here, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we're bringing things in from elsewhere, but we are manufacturing, doing the really clever stuff here, and we're we're really reducing the number of miles travelled by anything. Right. So you know we've got local suppliers around us, so we're kind of contributing to the economy. We've got local employment. For me, that's really satisfying. We have 25 people at the moment, and Great. it's looking like it's going up. Um, and we, you know, we're fast growing. We're in the top 50 um, fastest growing companies in Wales. Uh, last year, number 26. So well previous so. year, it was number 50. So, <laughs> okay. so we're kind of moving slowly up the charts. It's, it's a small, smallish place, but 
Um, we're doing our best, and I do think if we do our best, if everybody does their best, then everything will be better. Yeah. And I think that's 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 all you can really do. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Now, obviously, we're going to upload um, the photos that Amy's been snapping away, stealthily snapping away whilst we're talking. So you can see this product that we've been talking about. But if people want to go and have a more detailed look, where's the best best place to direct? So uh, basically on our website, so lightlock.com, and it's L-I-T-E-L-O-K. It's that thing about making things up where you can get a trademark. Yep. Um, yeah, so have a look at that. There's a little bit about the backstory and uh, um, uh, the team and stuff on there um, and some blogs that we write, which you know, there's even a blog about um, launching a new product in the pandemic, Great. which does actually tell, tell you some of the amazing, I can pick up a couple of them just as we close. Uh, we, you know, during the pandemic, we were fulfilling from our operation manager's dining room at one point. Oh, wow. I mean, you know, this is properly going above and beyond. That's yeah. Rachel. Uh, we, we've we've um, had people, you know, Adam, uh, engineering manager, working from a caravan in his drive. <laughs> Me. Generating things in a in a, my workshop as a railway carriage. Oh, wow. uh, so there's just like really kind of weird kind of making do stuff going on in yeah. there. But have a, have a look at our website. All the products are on there, Brilliant. and the stories on there. I think we are passionately made in Britain, and we're trying to do our best for for anybody that needs that kind of anti theft um, solution. Fantastic. Well, Neil, thank you so much for your time. It's been fascinating to learn about you and the product. As I say, I'm sure this isn't the last time we meet. There's going to be uh, some adventures and hopefully some very aggressive testing at some point as well. We'll, have a, we'll keep, great. We'll keep yes. bugging you for that. Yeah, no, we'll enjoy fun. doing that. Awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank, thank you very much. Thank you both. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Oh, wow. You've made it to the end, the very end. And it's John Markar here again, reminding you that this podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now run its course and has come to an end. To find the new format, search the Driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps. Thanks. Bye.